and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Joining me today is Brent. Hello. And special guest, Kelly. Hi. She's been here before. You know her voice. She just sang that song. Um, but we are going to talk about what we've been watching. Uh, talk about some news. We'll have to talk about the Oscar nominations. We have the three people who care the least about it in the room. <laughs> Regular contributors, but we'll do it anyway. Um... And then we'll give you blind recommendations on what to watch. <clears throat> if we could have Al here, it would be a perfect foursome of people who care the least about the Oscars. <laughs> uh, I like the fashion. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about all of the people who got nominated for dresses. Uh, we will do that. Billy Porter. Billy Porter, number one. But Brent, why don't you kick us off? Okay, I've been watching some things. I watched uh, a few 2019 movies. Let's start with those. Ford versus Ferrari. Nice. You guys have not seen that yet, right? No. No, not yet. Uh, It's a pretty good little movie. It's a... If you've seen a racing movie, this is a well done one. But it doesn't really break new ground. I don't know if I've seen a lot of racing movies about cars. (laughs) I mean... Are you joking? I'm pretty sure having the entire box set of the Fast and Furious. Those are not racing movies. Those okay. movies are about family. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> so is is Christian Bale as good as he can be, and as good as everyone says? I mean, he's not bad, but it, he's not the one who stood out to me. I, I like Matt Damon better in the movie, and also uh, in a very small role as Ford. Uh, Tracy Letts is really good in the movie. Tracy Letts. Why did I? Not? He's the dad from uh, uh, Lady Bird. Okay. And he's also in he's also in Little Women. Um, I think yes. And so uh, he uh, <clears throat> he's really good as Ford um, Henry Ford the third or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's 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 one of those movies where it's just like here's a bunch of good actors and good filmmakers and there's the story is just basically let's go do the thing and get the thing done. And they go and do the thing competently and they get the thing done. And that's the movie. Nice. <laughs> so, it doesn't disappoint. But no surprises. No surprises whatsoever. Okay. Little little head scratching as to why it's nominated or do you get it? I am disappointed that other movies are not nominated ahead of it. But it's also not that surprising because I think it's, a, I think it's better than like uh, Green Book. I think it's bring, let's bring back the old standard. Is it better than Green Book? So I think it could have won 2018's Best Picture. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't shock me, but it, it at the same time, it's it's not a movie I would watch and be like, this feels like a Best Picture nominee. Uh, it's just a good little movie. All right. Um, I watched Jojo Rabbit this week. Sweet. And uh, this is another entry into the uh, Sam Rockwell plays a racist who does something good near the end of the movie cinematic universe. (laughs) Um, Joining three billboards. (laughs) And possibly other movies out there that I don't know. Um, I can't remember if he does anything good in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or not. (laughs) uh, He's in... um... Richard Jewell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Nice. Yeah. It's... uh, It's... A mixed bag for me, Jojo Rabbit. The the satire of Nazism is actually what doesn't work as well for me in this movie. I don't think it really has a lot to say other than just how easy it is to get indoctrinated by, you know, a regime like that. But what really did work for me 
was his relationship with the girl they're hiding. That's Thomas and Mackenzie. Who yes. I really like, yeah. She's really good in the that movie last year with uh, Ben Foster. Foster. Yeah, um, Leave No Trace. Yes. And she's really good in it. And then his relationship also with his mom, Scarlett Johansson, is so... And, and also Thompson McKenzie's scenes with Scarlett Johansson. The, the three of them, that little triangle is really good. But um, the Hitler stuff kind of fell flat for me. The hmm. Some of the Nazi stuff fell flat. Uh, with one weird exception, which is I love Rebel Wilson finally in a movie. And I loved Rebel Wilson as a as a Nazi in this movie. She needed a win. She's really, really funny. After cats. After playing Jenny Annie Dots, the Gumpy Cat. Gumby. Gumby, my bad. <laughs> oh, I forgot you haven't had time to talk with me about cats on the podcast yet. No, Six I'm... minutes before cats came up. <laughs> no, we won't be talking about cats this episode. I won't subject anyone to that. I yeah. can write a thesis on it. I'm sure. Um... Also, there's little there's a little boy who's his best friend, who's JoJo's best friend. He's got glasses. He's really funny. All yeah. of the scenes are great. I've heard that that he's really <laughs> good. Uh, I liked. Did you uh, see? I think TJ posted one of the groups. Um, the woman from eighth grade posted her own like here are my nominees and my winners. Elsie <laughs> Fisher. Yeah, Elsie like, Fisher okay. and Thomas and Mackenzie was on there, and I was like, huh, weird. I haven't really heard anything about her yet. In this movie, and if she's like good or not, and then I started reading about it. I guess she's standout. Yeah, she's good. Uh, I watched Little Women. Cool. Yay! I love Little Women. Would it have cracked your top ten? It would have been number three. Oh wow! On my top ten, yeah. It's uh, it's <clears throat> it's up there with uh, eh, maybe not quite Marriage Story and Parasite, but I think it's the best of the next tier nice. for me. Um, Who is the best little woman? The Best Little Woman, oh, it's tough to pick between. I, it's probably Joe, which is Shersha Ronan. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because Joe's sort of the meatiest character of the, of the set. I mean, the least my least favorite is Beth. Beth has the least to do in the movie and in the, in the story. Is that uh, Hermione? No, that's Meg. I don't know anything about Little Women, so I didn't really either going into the movie, <laughs> and so that's that's nice. Um, I know the stories, I just don't remember the names associated. Joe's the independent, the older sister, who's just sort of the um, she she wants everybody to just do their own thing. So she's a writer, and she has some really great scenes. Um, and then I think the next oldest sister is Meg, and I might be wrong. Please don't contact us about this if I'm wrong. Meg, this, uh, I think it's Meg. That's Emma Watson, and okay. she's um, she's kind of like an aspiring actress, but she's also the sister who, you know, is, is like, okay, kind of conforming to what society's ideas are. And um, she's, she's perfectly lovely in the role. And then the third sister is Amy, and that is Florence Pugh. Florence and, Pugh. And she is the other standout of the sisters. She's fantastic um it's told in flashback and present day well not present day it'd be kind of boring if it was present day they're all dead here's a graveyard um (laughs) but uh but it's it's told like eight years apart and uh florence Pugh really in the flashbacks she is so juvenile and in the forward part she's so mature and it's a really she does a really good job she almost has to play two parts as Amy, hmm. the, the rest basically get to do the same thing, right? In both because time periods, older. or younger. Okay, yeah, 
And then uh, Beth is the, I don't know the actress's name. She was in Sharp Objects on HBO, if anyone saw it. She was the sister in that show. But she's fairly new to the scene, and she's yeah. uh, she's she's plenty good. But it has other great performances, too. Timothy Chalamet is fantastic in the movie. Um, Laura Dern's good. She's good in everything she's in. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Yeah. How old is Timothy Chalamet? Well, he looks like he's about 16 still. Yeah. And he hasn't aged at all. That was one of Ashley's criticisms of the movie. She's like, it's hard for me at this point to see Timothy Chalamet as dashing. Like, as a, <laughs> yeah. because, like in a, like a manly way. Right. Yeah. Because he's just so soft looking. He's so big. He looks like he can't grow a beard, which is nothing wrong with that, but it makes someone look so much younger. Yes. He's just so baby-faced peach fuzz. Right. It's like what everyone is referring to when they call someone a soy boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's like racially charged or homophobic. I've only ever been called that. So <laughs> I get it mixed up with soy bomb, which is what that guy painted on his chest when he ran across the Oscars like twenty years ago. Yeah. What? Yeah, there's some weird guy who uh, he just painted the word soy bomb onto his chest and belly and snuck up onto the stage at the Oscars and did like a weird little Michael Stipe dance before uh, they drug him off. Oscars are so boring now. <laughs> Yeah, sound like they used to be super lit. It's El- Eliza Scanlon is the uh, other sister, right? <laughs> Not the soy bomb guy. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but yeah, no. It's uh, <clears throat> as someone who had I had no obviously no baggage of no Little Women related baggage bringing into this because I've never read the story and I've never seen any of the other movies. So um, I loved it. It's a really good story, nice. and for a period piece, it it feels. I worried that it was going to feel like a. A chore to watch, and it is nothing close to it. It is snappy and moves along. And honestly, my only criticism of the movie is I wish it was longer. Oh. And it's over two hours, but like, there's just so much. There's so much good character development that I just wanted to spend more time with a lot of the characters. Maybe we'll get Little Women too. <laughs> Big women, slightly bigger women. <laughs> yeah, less little. So, do you normally not like period pieces? And that's why you were surprised you liked it? Um, it's not that I don't like them. It's just that to be in the mindset to like devote my attention to them, it's, it requires a little... I gotta be more in that space than I would like if you're like, hey, you wanna watch a David Fincher movie? Or you wanna watch like a, a I don't know, like an action movie? Because those are easier for me to say right. yes to. Um, so I watch fewer of them. I, I, I like them perfectly fine, but um, yeah, I was a little worried that, that it was gonna be... I don't know. Boring. Yeah. But it was They wasn't. can be. They yeah. can be. Especially with, with a title <laughs> that has been told to uh, boys and men for so long that like it wasn't for you, that it's like for women to read in their formative years. And then it's like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it's got mass appeal. I mean, based on the title, it's not for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big man. <laughs> Singular. <laughs> this is plural. Multiple. There's so many small. of them. Small. <laughs> Women, um, but yeah, they're it's it's really good. I loved it. Cool. I uh, also watched nineteen seventeen. Sweet. I uh, recommend going to the theater for that one, even though I don't think it's as good as like Little Women. It's a theater experience that's that's worthwhile. You uh, saw it at a Dolby, right? I saw yes, I saw it at a Dolby theater, which was insane. At one point, uh, I was genuinely frightened by a bomb explosion because I thought I might have died. Oh man! <laughs> With those like speakers under your seats. 
Um, is that true? I mean, I don't know. It feels that way. You feel you feel explosions. You could tell me anything about a Dolby theater, and I would believe it. <laughs> be like, there's a tone that can pop your eardrums. I'd be like, oh wow, we shouldn't go to there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brent, I don't think that you should recommend this. This might be a crime. <laughs> they probably shouldn't charge so much for it if, they, if it's that. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, the. So 1917 is really good. It's really, it's extremely well done. Like, it's almost like you're watching that movie and you're just like, well, this is clearly an award winner yeah. when it comes to technical stuff. Um, weirdly for me, the technical stuff was so good it became distracting because I was spending good portions of the movie be thinking about, like, how they laid out the... Like the thinking about the director and the set and stuff like that, yeah. that I was distracted from just being in the moment of the movie, um, which is weird. It's like when you're so good at the thing that the thing you're good at supersedes just the right. movie. Um, yeah, because I was, there's a certain point like 20 minutes into the movie when there hasn't been a cut. And you're aware that they've probably used some like tricks right. to, to sneak some cuts in there, but still you're thinking about the, the moving through trenches and moving out into space and moving or not they into go to space. space. <laughs> yeah, no, wow. however, the Dolby Theater is located in space, <laughs> um, so you do have to go to space to watch this movie this way. No, um, but then to like go out into the field and everything, and you you start. Well, I started thinking about like like trying to picture it from above, like what they set up on yeah. set. To the point where maybe I wasn't fully immersed as much as I could have been with some cuts here and there. If it had just been a normal looking movie. Yeah. But um, for what it was though, it was really impressive. And they, they do a good job building tension. I mean, the thing is just tense from... I bet. From yeah. beginning to end. How are the uh, no-names? Because I know that Mendes wanted like basically... Well, he said he wanted people who weren't known, but weren't known to American audiences. I get that they had acting careers before. Yeah. Although, that's that one is uh, it's, uh, it's Tommen, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, it is Tommen from Game of Thrones. You can't nod. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> I'm used to doing that when we talk. Yeah. Uh, Everyone understands yes, that yes. nodding is. Um, I pointed it out when the preview came on. Yeah, I was when like, the oh, it's was Tommen. Out. Yeah. Um, the no names are good. It's and it's really just the two of them. It is. Uh, Al was telling me that his his mom was looking forward to seeing like she knew like Colin Firth's in this movie and uh he in it for like two minutes Benedict Cumberbatch is in this yeah. movie and it's like yeah well you know you're signing up for about 50 seconds combined of the two of them <laughs> it's like all war movies are like that too where you know you have your main characters and you may or may not know them but like They'll go to some bunker, and you'll just see a familiar face in the bunker, and it's Captain So-and-So. And Captain So-and-So is like, looks at a piece of paper, and he's like, oh, this looks serious. You better go deliver this to Corporal, Corporal What's-His-Name. And then it's like, 20 minutes later, they find Corporal What's-His-Name, and hey, it's that guy I know from movies I love. And they don't really have actual, like, right roles, except, parts. Except for Tom Cruise and Valkyrie, where it's Tom Cruise the whole time. Right. <laughs> um... But no, so it's it's all the no names, and uh, my jacket's so loud. I'm trying not. <laughs> You're moving in slow motion <laughs> it's to set a swishy your tea jacket. Down. <laughs> um, I think Kelly's in space now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's at the Dolby Theater. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's and, and definitely recommend getting to it while it's in theaters. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I think I think that's our 
our our next one that we're going to go see in theaters. Mm-hmm. Well, well not directly. We're seeing another movie. Yes, literally right immediately after, after this. this podcast. I watched two other movies I want to talk about. One is tangentially related to the Oscars, and that's I watched the 1995 movie Kicking and Screaming. Uh, okay. I want to I want to hear this connection of how they're related. Do you know this movie? No, she doesn't. This she is the knows, Will Ferrell. She knows the Will Ferrell soccer movie that okay. was made with the same title. This is a different movie. Oh. <laughs> this is the directorial debut of Noah Baumbach. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's... Starring Will Ferrell, though. <laughs> no. Well, I was like, that sounds early for that movie. I remember watching it when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's really good. It's uh, so it's about these like uh, this group of friends who graduate college, and it's about them struggling to break apart after college. They just sort of stay in their college town and keep going to the same bars and sort of that arrested development of age 21, 22. And uh, one of them struggling because his girlfriend uh, moved to the Czech Republic to like do like a thing for a year. And they broke up over that and he's struggling to deal with that. And uh, it's mostly a no-name cast. The main character... He's I forget the guy's name who played him, but he uh, Eric Stoltz. No, Josh Eric's, Hamilton. Josh Hamilton is the main character, and he is the dad from Eighth Grade. Yeah, oh, I loved him in that. Yeah, he's really good. He's a, and all these guys are really good actors, but um, maybe like Parker Posey might be, and Eric yeah. Stoltz are probably the two biggest names in the movie. But uh, Elliot Gould, but I don't imagine he plays a big part. No, he's got a good scene, but it's a, it's a really it's a funny movie. It's also very nineties. It's very dated in certain ways. I mean, it's you know. A lot of gay panic. No, not in that uh, way, but more in just the like horn dog kind of way okay. that that you don't see as much anymore. But um, but it's it's done really well, and I, it's written really well. You can tell Bombach has a talent for writing dialogue. That, from, guy, that guy knows what he's doing from the beginning. Yeah. Does Bombach have a, a movie nominated for Best Picture this year? Marriage Story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's all coming together now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I do recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's a short and easy watch. It's like an hour and a half. And if, if, you know, after your Oscar rush gets done, um, it's a, uh, it's a good little movie. How, uh, how much Bombac have you seen now? So I've seen Meyerowitz stories. I've seen Francis Ha. I have not seen Squid and the Whale, which I would really like, I think. Um, I think it is just newly available on Netflix, too. Yeah. I think it was part of the deal for Marriage Story. And then I don't know what else I'm missing. What else there is? Um, Greenberg. I know that he did. Uh, I've seen Murder at the Wedding. While We're Young. And I think that after that, these aren't ones that he... Oh, right. You mean he didn't direct Madagascar? Madagascar 3. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> um... So you've seen probably like half of his movies. Yeah. And and also, I barely remember while we were young. That's I remember liking it while I watched it, but don't remember much okay. specifically. That's one of my favorite things about Letterboxd is that you can click on a director and it'll show you all the movies that they directed. And it'll tell you the percentage that you've completed of their movies that they've directed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. This is a great tool to use to see if I've watched everything. Wow, I need to start actually logging mine. Yeah. Um, it's the only thing that makes me ever go back and log movies that I haven't watched recently, but I know I've seen, is I'll be like, oh, I wonder how many Sam Mendes movies I've seen. And so I'll click on him, click on director, and then I'll start, like, <laughs> punching in the ones that I know I've seen. And then one last movie that I watched, uh, <laughs> speaking of Oscars, featuring the Oscar-nominated thespian John Voight. 
Uh, it's a 2007 film called Bratz. Oh, yeah, I remember it. <laughs> this one was nominated for, uh, uh, what, Best Costume Design? Best, uh... Best Animated. <laughs> Best Bowl of Turds. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, you told me last night, so I'm kind of giving away the ghost, but you told me that this is on Flophouse recommendation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, it, this is a live-action movie. This isn't... Yes. Movie. Yeah. Also... I knew nothing about the the tie-in to uh, dolls of some sort when I watched this movie. I I think I'd heard of them. I did not make the connection though that it was the same thing. Um, it's the Z that gives it away. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, about a bunch of brats, it's Little Women too. <laughs> so yeah, the theme of this movie they explicitly state is about. Uh, not fitting into the groups you're supposed to fit into. Just be yourself. Do what you want to do. Um, and then it basically works to undermine that very theme for the rest in everything it does. <laughs> right, you talked about this movie for about 15 minutes last night, and you did not once mention it was a musical comedy. Oh, I mean, they do sing sometimes. <laughs> okay, so maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you describe it as a musical comedy? I don't know. I don't maybe, know. maybe I... Maybe I blacked out during the musical parts <laughs> to the extent that I barely remember them. Oh, this has got... Okay. So I know one person from this, Logan Browning, who is credited in Bratz as Lainey Browning. She is the star of the Netflix TV series, Dear White People. Okay. Well, that's supposed to be good, right? It's it is great. Good. Yeah. Yes, it's great. So one person, one of the Bratz went on to some success. The rest are dead I'm trying now. to find out. <laughs> God. I'm trying to find out where these people are now. Well, also, like, they, there's one, they, they keep talking about one being a, like, a Latina brat. Yeah. And I was like, which one's, which one is that? And it's the, the blonde, very Caucasian looking one. <laughs> <laughs> who turns out to be, well, not the, no, I guess I'd take that back. There is a more blonde one. But the, the Latina uh, brat is not very Latina looking. It's, uh, yeah. Wow, that girl looks very Caucasian. I mean, she looks maybe Spanish, you know? Like, like she could be Spanish. It's like they didn't want to go full tilt on the... Right. Yeah. Uh, like, we still want little white girls to watch this. Right. We can't have too many minorities. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh... I don't know. This movie's dumb. What's it about? I mean, so, it's about it's about that theme, but like, so okay. How does the plot go? So <laughs> they enter high school. These four friends, they're besties, mm-hmm. and then they get told by the villain. Her name's Madison. She's a hold on villain. Yeah, she's okay. she's the principal's daughter, and she she <laughs> tells them they have to sort out into their proper cliques. Do you mean Meredith? Maybe. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. I'm just, this is you funny. didn't watch it? No, I'm reading the plot. And he's I, like... I barely watched it. <laughs> um, yeah, so she has to... She tells them... She maintains order over 13 clicks. Okay. Um, so it's a political drama. <laughs> yeah. Um, Musical. Also, only two of the... Two or three of the clicks are even remotely recognizable to what high schoolers actually, like, segregate themselves into. It's like, instead of being like, there's the goths, there's the punks, there's the jocks, it's like... And there's the, uh, there's the cyborg people. <laughs> there are the people who are actual plastic brass dolls. There's the mariachi bands. There's the... We've got a clan of ninjas back there. Stay away from them. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <laughs> no. And they, uh, 
So anyway, then it like zips two years in the future. So they've done, they've just sorted themselves into these cliques for right. two years. And uh, um, two years later, they just decide to revolt and be friends. And boy, it's a real uphill battle because everyone loves them. And uh, <laughs> it's the tall girl problem. Yeah, it's the tall girl problem. It's uh, also what really bothers me is that like there's a girl who's really into science. And she's uh, she only finds happiness when she becomes a fashion deck uh, designer. <laughs> there's there's science. Be yourself. And... You love science. You're still gonna need to find a more womanly thing to do. <laughs> um, I, I love the way that women are portrayed, especially scientists, because it's period. basically like you have to choose between if you're like girly girl things or you're gonna be a scientist <laughs> right. and stop wearing makeup and have to put on glasses. Like I don't understand why people can't enjoy more than one thing because well, don't, don't, women are people. Don't don't get ahead of yourself. Allow me to talk down to you. You have to choose either the thing that you love, science, or the man of your dreams. One or the other. <laughs> Babe, I would have picked science. I love you very much. I know. <laughs> um and a similar thing happens with the the girl who the uh, she loves bees. She wants to be. She wants to be a journalist, and she's like, "That's her thing." And then halfway through the movie, she meets this deaf guy who convinces her to be a singer. I shit you not. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "You're a great singer." She's like, "But you're deaf." He's like, "I can feel how good of a singer you are." <laughs> Wait, what was she doing? She's like, "He's like." You should sing because I can't stand to read your shit anymore. <laughs> you are a terrible writer, and if you sing, it works for both of us. <laughs> if you sing as long as it's other people's songs, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should you should start a cover band. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a really like even like I was I was sort of willing if it was like girl power and if it had good messages I would be like okay it's yeah. still it's still not good but at least it's trying to do something good for kids but I think this is a horrible messaging for kids <laughs> in fact the way they help all the other cliques in the end is not by just being cool with who they are they help the nerds by like uh, giving them makeovers and making them look more like brats people should look oh good because their intelligence wasn't enough I'm sure right it's like, well, that's sending the wrong message. Can, so. I, can I ask you about something that's a spoiler? How do all four of them get a scholarship and then give it to one person? <laughs> <laughs> and why do they do it at a red carpet uh, premiere at, for MTV? <laughs> <laughs> the answers are not nearly as entertaining as the questions. <laughs> I just... Movie. That's fantastic. If you're yeah. asking questions about the Wikipedia plot, I want to know what an accidental food fight is. Because that sounds like that scene was probably at least... Oh, fun. I've seen an accidental food fight in a dozen high school movies. <coughs> it's someone gets mad and like throws something, like just at short distance, but it goes too far. It hits someone in the back of the head. And then they throw something, but then that person ducks, and then it hits someone across the room. It's like every bar and fight. And then someone stands up yeah. and yells, Food fight! <laughs> But the the worst thing about this food fight in particular is that the food fight has it was like soup day. it has <laughs> <laughs> the food fight has concluded. It's over. The girls are sort of like laying out on the sidewalk somehow. <laughs> I guess they were killed by it <laughs> briefly. But um Including. and uh and there's a statue of the of John Voigt's head. <laughs> it's got like a bust, a huge bust of his head right out on the front gate, uh, the front steps, because that's what every principal does, of yeah. course. Puts a giant fucking bust of his own head. But the the way it's shot, it starts to wobble a little, and then it stops wobbling because they couldn't figure out how to do this right. And then they cut away to the girls saying, like, looking 
oh no, and then you cut back and you see it start again, and it starts to wobble, and then it comes back to a rest, and it cuts back to them, oh no, a second time, and then it cuts back to it, it wobbles, and falls off, and, and, and smashes, but I was like, how does the food fight cause that? Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I have to watch this movie now. It's... I know. We this will be a good palate cleanser after it, the documentary. It is yeah. it is borderline entertaining in how bad it is. Okay. Borderline. It, I don't really want to go tell you you're going to have a blast with it. It's not like a what are those movies where it's like uh they they they, they make bad rip-offs of mockbusters. It's not quite a mockbuster in its like absurdity, yeah. but it is it is pretty bad. Um so yeah, made thank, money. Thank you, Flop. No, it was a made six million dollars on a twenty million dollar budget. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that movie that's cost losing fourteen. That movie cost twenty million dollars to make. I have no idea why. Also, Jarma's in it from Lonely Island. Weird. That director, he is. <laughs> yeah, he plays singer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I couldn't. I wasn't gonna. Uh, I wasn't going to guess that that was a profession or a thing that he did during the movie. That could be someone's name. In I it. think it might be a just a guy singing okay. <laughs> at some point. But um, the uh, the weird thing is, I was looking at that director, and he's directed a lot of like real shitty stuff. He he took over the Baby Geniuses franchise after the main creative force left. Okay, I loved Baby Geniuses. <laughs> I really did. That was one of those like we had the VHS. So, I don't know. I don't have any problem with Baby Geniuses. And John Voight's in, like, all his movies now. <laughs> Are they his, just, like, good friends? I don't know. Maybe it's just, like, the only work Voight can find anymore now that he's, like, you know, extremely right-wing in Hollywood. Um, but... There are so many Baby Geniuses movies. There's a lot. There's one a year. <laughs> no, not one a year. But there's one in 2013, Baby Geniuses and the Mystery of the Crown Jewels, Oppie. Baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt in 2014. Baby Geniuses and the Space Baby. I saw that. That is a ridiculous looking poster. Uh, so this guy is directing a movie that I guess is out called Reagan. Came out in tw- 2019. It's it's not out, I don't think. it's. Uh, oh, it is? It says 2019. Um, I don't know. Oh, this, this is the Soul Surfer guy. This guy sucks. Well, I'm done talking about... Uh, Bratz. First off, this is the director. Yeah. Oh. I think it looks like a court, a court order is going to make him not have a job anymore soon. He pulls the Shyamalan move at the end of the movie of making himself the bigwig from MTV. Nice. He comes and He's gets the MTV the, VP? Yeah. Sweet. Girls, you've got the sound we're looking for here at MTV. <laughs> you don't produce records. What, is, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um. Well, do you have any other movies or TV I, shows you want to talk no, about? No, I've quit on the uh, the high note there. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted to show you Baby Geniuses and the Space Baby. <laughs> that's not a space baby. That's a baby in a costume. <laughs> Looks like a space baby to me. It's a baby in like a very old co- costume too, like an old Martian costume. From like the, the Flintstones, yeah. Yeah. Martian. Well, all right then. Uh, we're going to move on to Kelly. I think you should go first because we'll probably talk about a lot of the same things. I wasn't planning on it, but I'll go first anyway. Uh, so I wanted to spend my time uh, today 
Uh, well, first I wanted to make an announcement. TJ and I are stupid. And we have decided after all of 2019 saying we won't do the Oscar death race, we're doing it. We saw the movies that came out and what they are nominated for and realized that this year it's pretty doable because you've got difficult categories with spillover into other categories, which means that they are, it's just, it is worth more for us to invest the time to see those. And there's just fewer movies. I think last year it was 56 feature length films. This year it's 41. Like that's not bad. You've got Honeyland, which is Best Foreign Nominated and Best Documentary Nominated. You've got... Parasite. Parasite, which is the obvious frontrunner in Best Foreign, and it's nominated in nine other categories. <clears throat> and uh, Pain and Glory is Best Actor and Best Foreign. Um, so it just seems doable this year. So, in pursuit of that, I have been watching a bunch of shorts. Um... And I'm here to tell you about what I think about them. Not all of them, not a lot of words, and I'm just going to timestamp this as Oscar shorts. Um, but just to kind of give you the rundown. Um, I've seen everything except for one so far. Um, and then the one I've seen, I really hope those Bratz girls get together and push MTV to make this widely available. Um, but St. Louis Superman, which is nominated for Doc Short, isn't available. Um, but seen everything else. So, I'll start with the Doc Shorts. So, here we have Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone, If You're a Girl, uh, In the Absence, Life Overtakes Me, and Walk, Run, Cha-Cha. And this is probably the most uplifting of the years of Doc Shorts ever. Nice. Um, Needed that. Like, Walk, Run, Cha-Cha is about uh, like first-generation Vietnamese-Americans who came over uh, after the war, and it's about them and their group of other like Vietnamese immigrants, like look, like talking about like this dance competition that these or this dance number that these two are learning. And it's just all about them dancing, and it's great, and it's uplifting, and it's neat. Uh, same with learning to skateboard in a war zone. It's like it takes place in Afghanistan, and but it's about this school that these women set up called Skatistan. Where it's these girls who like... Rad. Yeah, it's really rad. It's these girls who like aren't traditionally educated and are just supposed to like stay at home and do nothing until the men are around and then they tend to them. But so instead they go to Skatistan and they like... It's like a regular school where they learn about, you know, civics, like whatever, math. Uh, and then their like recreation is they skateboard. Um, but it's pretty cool. The teachers there seem awesome. Uh... And I really liked it. It's it's on A and E, so even if you don't want to hunt any of these down, you can go on on demand on A and E and find it. Um, In the absence was probably the craziest one that I saw. It's uh, about an event that I didn't know happened. It's about a ferry in South Korea that, on its way to its destination, uh, filled with like four hundred people, capsized, and the government basically did nothing. And because all the people on the ferry were like, we'll just ha- we'll listen to the captain. We'll like we'll listen to the captain, and the captain secretly like escaped the boat. Oh god! Oh, and no. so That's they like were super all super taboo. Yeah, and so they were all like waiting there, and a bunch of people lost their lives because the government was just flying in helicopters to get video footage of it, so that it quote couldn't happen again, and didn't actually send like rescue helicopters, and it was like. We'll just call that one a scratch. Like, wow. Yeah. 
it's it's crazy. Um, but it's all done. It's it. It all happened over the course of like an hour and a half, two hours, and it's just like like footage from the day of, and then some interviews with like parents, um, and then they show a little bit afterwards because um, there was like a like more of a government boondoggle about like once it fully sank, like <clears throat> months later, they're like, oh well, we need to like get the ship, we get, need to get the boat out and like investigate, and the government basically being like, nah, we're not gonna do that. Ooh. Um, so <clears throat> were there any survivors? Yeah, there were because there were some people who were like, fuck, waiting on the captain, I'm getting off this boat. Um, but it's like, it's like they're going into the ocean basically. Um, so if you're not a strong swimmer and you can't like swim for long enough and you can't get to a boat, like, you know, not that your chances are better on the capsizing ferry, but you know, you're rolling the dice. Right. Um, so that's really good. Uh, I don't actually remember right now what, uh, life overtakes me is about. I watched a lot of shorts. <laughs> Um, but I remember liking it. I don't know. It's on, it's on Netflix. Um, for live action shorts, uh, this is also a pretty, pretty typically sad and, uh, it's, this one's sad. Also typically foreign and likewise this year, the only English language one we have is called, uh, The Neighbor's Window. Um, but, but pretty good. Set of movies here. My favorite here, which is the one I'll talk about, is, is a, a Sister. It's a little bit like, and I couldn't remember the name of the movie before we got here, so I'm hoping that, fuck, Brent, I don't think you saw it. Um, but it reminds me of the Danish film that TJ and I watched two years ago about the 911 operator. Um, I felt something. Yeah. It's... But so, A Sister is like a very similar movie to that, in that it, <clears throat> the whole story is... It's a woman in a car calling 911 and pretending like it's her sister that she's talking to while the 911 operator is trying to, like, talk to her and get details about the man who is currently, like, kidnapping her. Um, so, it's like, it's that urban legend you hear about, like, someone calling 911 and pretending to order a pizza and the police understanding. It's like that played out real in, like, a 25-minute narrative. Um, it's really cool. It's pretty tense. Um, that's available... On YouTube, so oh cool, you can go find a sister on there, and don't be confused because this year we have the titles for shorts. I'm going to jump around for a second. Uh, a sister, brotherhood, daughter, sister, <laughs> uh, brother, son. Those are all nominated for shorts this year. So weird. Um, and then in the animated shorts, uh, my favorite here is Hair Love. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why that's funny. It's okay. It's about a, uh, it's, this one's probably the shortest of the animated. Uh, it's like about six, seven minutes long. Um, you should really check it out, but it's basically, it's about a, a young black girl who tries to do her own hair. And so then like pulls up a YouTube tutorial and like really fucks her hair up before she has to like rush off to school. So her dad finds her and tries to help her and there's more to it. It's really heartwarming. Um, and it'll take the least amount of time out of your life to knock out an Oscar nominee. <clears throat> also on YouTube. Um, Look, was that movie The Guilty? The Guilty, yes, that was it. Um, but, so that's <clears throat> that's what I watched. Um, I watched a couple movies too, but I'm, I know that Kelly's probably going to talk about them. We can talk about them together. 
Yeah. I but... really want to talk about Breakthrough and Richard Jewell. <laughs> well, we've got a segment for that. It's called, Hey Kelly, what did you watch last <laughs> week? Okay. You're going to have to help me because there, there's a lot to say about these movies. That's fine. Um, Breakthrough is an Oscar-nominated movie. What's kind it, of. What's it nominated for? Uh, a song. That's the original song. Yes. Okay. So it's not technically an Oscar-nominated movie, but if that song wins an Oscar, they will call it the Oscar-winning movie Breakthrough. I hope that doesn't happen. That's the one category I most struggle with. Like, do I have to watch the movie right. to... No, because, don't because do it. they don't vote based on how well the song necessarily integrates into the movie or fits a moment in a movie. It's just a song sometimes. I mean, do I need to... I mean, first off, Selma's a really good movie, but I don't need to sit through Selma and watch Selma to know, to just decide if Common wrote a good song or right. not. Right. I can just listen to the Common song. It can knock that out in three minutes. I would love to know what the criteria are. I mean, I know there's not criteria, but there there is a guild which selects the nominees. I would love to know what the guild selection process is because this fucking song, man, like if you thought that them giving it up, like this is as wild as them nominating Clint Eastwood for anything. Knowing the Academy's politics, mm-hmm. this movie is a, a Christian faith drama about a boy who fell through the ice playing with friends. True, went, true story. True story. Based on true story, supposedly. Fell through the ice and went into a coma, and through the faith of the mother and their young, cool, hip pastor alone, he came back from the coma with no uh, neurological damage. So the song in it is a gospel rock song. This got nominated for an Oscar, which, which to me doesn't like it doesn't compute in my mind. Like I don't care. I think that there's room to recognize well-written songs no matter what the subject matter is, but it doesn't seem like a move that the Oscars would make. Right. Right. And, and a Grammy. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no fucking way that this song is winning. No. There's zero chance. And the movie is dog shit. It's a bad. It's really bad. When I texted you and said, like, y'all send thoughts and prayers because I'm watching this movie, I was not joking. It was so hard to slog, like, slog through. It's, it is so preachy. And I don't have a problem with, like, Christian movies, but they're, the way they twisted this true story made me hate the way it was portrayed. And I think it's a really interesting story because the the fact that this kid survived being underwater for over 15 minutes. Oh, wow. He was completely no pulse for an hour. Well, the movie says it was 20 minutes. It was... It, I did read, like, the... No, the real story is 15 minutes, but the movie says it was 20 minutes. Right. But anything... Because that five minutes, someone's going to go like, oh, yeah, that is much more serious. Right. If you're underwater for five minutes, like, that's... You could die. Right. It's Your brain needs oxygen. It ain't holding your breath. Right. Um, it, it was rough to get through. Chrissy Metz is bad. Like, Chrissy Metz is good in This Is Us, but she's, like, bad in this movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone's uh, bad. Except for Dennis Haysbert. Which one's Dennis Haysbert? He's the doctor. All state guy. Oh, yeah. yeah he was good. Because <laughs> he doesn't have to do much. His voice does all the work for him. Yeah. That's uh, true. Topher Grace was fine. I hated his character so yeah, much. Yeah, that's the thing is, he's so hateable. So he's like the young youth minister who, who comes in and like, the first day they go to service, uh, he's got like a like a rapper who's like a well-known Christian rapper, Lecrae, and like a, a guitar player. And Christy Metz's first interaction with him... By the way, she hates him. As soon as she sees and hears the rapper, she thinks that he's, like, the worst. She, like, types out a two-page single-spaced complaint about him. Like, 
clearly like a dog whistle for like hates that there's like black things happening in her church. Right. Even uh, though she has a Guatemalan child. That has nothing to do with it. But, but it's, I'm not saying, she's not just some like old racist white lady. Like right. she has a, a child of color. Yes. But, she hates change. But he like delivers this really awful like, oh, did you like the service today? Was it lit enough for you? Are you feeling woke to Jesus? And it's just like, oh, I fucking hate that anyone had to do this. They should have just just like CGI'd in like an NPC that like gray face that is on the internet. <laughs> oh, Peter Cushing. You can do whatever you want with Peter Cushing now. <laughs> Why? Uh, just because I mean, you know, he's uh you know who Peter Cushing is. He's uh um Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Just put him into every role that no actual human wants to play anymore. You've got... Just ask Lucasfilm if you can... It would have yeah. made the movie better. Yeah, the technology. You've got the assets, so might as well use them. But yeah, his breakthrough's awful. I listened to the song and then never listened to it again because the song's bad too. But it is Chrissy Metz who sings it. So we'll... If they do live performances at the Oscars this year, we will see Chrissy Metz sing the song, whatever it's called. I think Here With You is what it's called. It's not called Breakthrough? Um, no, the song's not called Breakthrough. They don't have to name the songs after the titles of the movies if they get nominated. Remember that Oscar winning song, A Star Frozen? Is Born? <laughs> yeah. A Star Is Born! Uh, yeah, no, uh, I do like it when they do. That's one of the things I look forward to is the live performances of the, the best original songs. Yeah, I like that too. So I hate the years where they like give them short shrift and make it like a medley. Yeah. It's like, eh, just give us the whole performance. This thing's, this thing's like three hours long, and the, the parts that feel long aren't where you get like awesome musicians to come out and perform. Yeah. Right. Holly- That's always my favorite part. Hollywood can handle giving up the spotlight for the full three minutes. Right. Yeah. You'll live. People will still remember you when we're done. Yeah. Um, what was the other movie you wanted to talk about, Kelly? Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell. I, we both thought that we were going to go into it hating it, just because we, gener- I'm not a big Clint Eastwood fan. Generally, I think he's a, like get off my lawn. Well, he's, his movies have tended to be a little more well, not yeah. There's a political slant to them in, in more recent years, at least. And yeah. they've kind of always been that way, but not more noticeable in recent years. Yeah, I'm more irritated by it in the more recent movies. Yeah, it ruined the Mule for me. The Mule. I mean, the Mule's not a great movie, mm-hmm. but like I couldn't watch it without. It must be what like people like conservatives feel when they watch like any other movie. <laughs> <laughs> and also like Richard Jewell, you know, when this movie was announced, the your instinct is or my instinct was kind of like, why is this the story we're telling right now? Because I mean, and I know why. It's because yeah. it's an example of the media really fucking something up. Yeah, and the F- and the FBI and the FBI. And so, who hates the media and the FBI right now? Right. So it's it's a pretty simple like algebra problem or calculus to perform to figure out like why this got made when it did. But but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a bad movie. It's a it's an interesting story that I'm surprised wasn't told earlier. Yeah, and in this case, it is a pretty good movie. Nice. Um, Not he, because of the writing, though. I think it's more just a medley of great performances. Yeah, and a, and having a really good like story. Yeah, he gets good performances out of his actors when he hires actors. <laughs> oh yeah, I, was right. I forgot you watched that. Oh, he had the train. Movie. I watched the train movie. <laughs> What's it called? The three seventeen to Yuma. No, the three seventeen <laughs> to, to Paris. Paris. Okay. <laughs> Five seventeen to Paris. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Clint Eastwood train. Train right? to Paris. Yeah, that movie's the worst. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's well acted. Um, 
by pretty much everyone. Olivia Wilde has like a crazy. I mean, she plays Kathy Scruggs, so she she has like a crazy job <clears throat> to do, which is she plays this over the top, like do anything to get the story, like like has to sleep with her sources to get yeah. Information. That's that's implied, which all the people who knew her are in a pretty feverish fucking uproar about. As they should be. Um, that a female reporter has to sleep with sources to get good scoops. Um, but, yeah, it's it's well performed. Kathy Bates is great in it. I mean, she she gives a press conference uh, about, you know, her son's innocence. And it's really emotional <clears throat> and well done. And I don't think that it is anything new to say that Kathy Bates can act. Yeah. Um, Sam Rockwell is was kind of a surprise favorite. I knew that he was in the movie, but I didn't know how much he was going to be the voice of reason. Because, like, one of the reasons why everyone found it so easy to pin this thing, on the Centennial Olympic Park bombing, on Richard Jewell was because Fork. he was a fucking idiot. Like, he's an actual dumb human. And they don't pull any punches portraying him as, like, a, like a stupid cowman. And then <laughs> Sam Rockwell is the one who's, like... Every time, like, the FBI is about to come through their home, he's like, all right, here's the strategy. Don't say a fucking word. You don't talk to them. Don't say anything. Don't say that you're law enforcement, too. Don't say anything to them. And then as soon as, uh, I almost said Don Draper, John Hamm and his flunkies come in their house, uh, Paul Walter Hauser's just like, hey, uh, if you need any help, I'll, uh, I'll show you whatever you want. And the best part is Sam Rockwell just, like, looking at him across the room being like, Dude, what the fuck? They were getting voice samples from him. Uh, they told him, like, you know, just so we can prove your innocence, give us, like, you're doing the phone call. There, There's a bomb in Centennial Olympic Park. You have 30 minutes. And then Sam Rockwell comes in and is like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Stop this. What are you, like, you can't do this for them. And there is a really good scene where he's defending some of the things the FBI is doing. Uh uh, the guy that plays Jewel and Kathy Bates is like, why are you defending them? These people are trying to kill you. They're yeah. trying to get you put to, to death. What's happening? And <coughs> it's a really good interaction between Bates and Jewel and then Rockwell and I keep saying Jewel. I Hauser. Remember, Hauser. Yeah. Um, and this that whole dynamic and how it kind of evolves throughout the movie. And he finally stands up for himself. and In the most unbelievable scene ever. They are having a conference at, like, the FBI field office, and Paul Walter Hauser delivers this, like, what are you guys trying to actually do? Do you have a case against me? And, like, delivers this speech that, like, that in the fiction of the movie leaves John Hamm's character dumbstruck. That he can't believe that this guy found him out, and he's just like, oh! Like, literally rocks back in his chair with his mouth open... And just like, I can't believe I got beat. Like, it's so <laughs> stupid. Like, the last scene in that movie is so fucking dumb that, it, like, it undoes so much goodwill from all the performances. Just because, like, John Hamm has a thankless task, like Olivia Wilde, to play one of Clint Eastwood's targets. And so he is so paper thin in just how, like, malicious and villainous he is that he just wants this one particular person, who, by the way, is an NRA member. And, like, is a good old southern boy and has a bunch of guns. And he wants that guy to fry. And so, he, he you know, the, the movie ends with egg on his face. And it's unsurprising. But it's a really, really stupid, super fictional scene. His, his role is pretty one-dimensional and terrible. Yeah. 
I wouldn't. Yeah. To caricature. Same with Olivia Wilde. They're caricatures of people. Yeah. But, but the the Atlanta stuff is great. They have scenes with old Marta, and you can people that live in Atlanta would recognize a lot of things and be like, "Oh my gosh, that's so awesome!" Uh, Kathy Bates' accent is perfect. I rarely enjoy Southern accents because they're terrible mm-hmm. or they're not regional to the place that the movie is taking place. Yeah, a lot of them will be like that that deep South kind of thing that you don't actually hear in life anymore. That, it's because that of Andy the internet. From the yeah, there's there's yeah. none of that. Um, right. Or you'll hear like a Texas thing and it's like no one speaks like that here. Yeah. Um, so the accents are done really well um, by everybody. But it's it's just, it was surprising to us that we enjoyed it as much as we did, even though it, I still don't think it's a great movie. Right. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was definitely better than we thought it would be. I put my phone down. That's my litmus test of mm. if I'm enjoying a movie is if I continue playing Two Dots or whatever I'm doing on my phone or I put it down and pay attention. And it definitely got me to pay attention nice. for a good a good portion. I definitely was holding my phone a bit during Bratz. <laughs> I can imagine. I feel like otherwise you would have to just immediately commit suicide. <laughs> if you pay attention to this movie, kill yourself. Yeah, it's just like The Ring. Die in seven days. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else pressing you want to talk about, or do you think we should move on to Breezy? I really, I don't have much to say about it because you have to watch it, but I recently finished the Ken Burns country music, mm. and it is my favorite thing I have watched in years. Oh, awesome. It was incredible. I think a lot of it, too, is I like country music, and yep. I grew up with that, um, but they have, like, Loretta Lynn does interviews, and Chris Christopherson, like, all these, and Marty Stewart. I love Marty Stewart so much for some dumb reason. Um... But they basically go through an entire century of country music and um, do a lot of interviews and they have a lot of, um, it, it's Kim Burns. Yeah. So it's just, it's done really well and they kind of um, go through the genesis of country music and how it kind of branched out into bluegrass and honky tonk and all these different things. And it's just a, a lot of country music, which was really fun for me um, and it's it's like any of his other documentaries. I would highly, highly recommend it if you like country music. Cool. Well, I don't. So let's talk about Breezy. <laughs> What's uh, new? So I'm going to do... So I've got a couple of stories I'm going to do before we talk about what was nominated. And I don't want to go too in-depth on what was nominated. You can find all that stuff out. Mm-hmm. This is coming out like a like a solid like eight, nine days after the nominations. Um, but I will say a couple things. Uh... 1917 just came out. Uh, the Producers Guild Awards, which is probably one of the biggest predictors for who's going to win Best Picture. Um, 1917 won the PGAs for Best Picture. So, uh, lots of people have been saying that based on Guild nominations and based on performance at festivals and stuff like that, that this is about a four-picture race between Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, and... Uh, uh, what, what am I forgetting? Maybe Marriage Story? or Marriage Story. Yes, Marriage Story. Okay. Um, there's basically a, a four-picture <laughs> race, uh, but this really, really helps out 1917's chances. Um, I hope Parasite comes in and swoops in. I think that would be so fun. I would maybe start caring about the Oscars more yeah. if Parasite won Best Picture. Yeah. Is that it, your favorite? What was your favorite in your list? Parasite. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was me and TJ and Brent had the three-way. And I'm then, listening and to then that we, And then, then we all chose Parasite <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Uh, but so yeah, so 1917 wins the, wins the PGAs. Uh, Succession was the big TV winner for the PGAs, which is no surprise now, um, seeing its performance. Uh, the other piece of news that I have is um, 
the uh, highly anticipated game Cyberpunk 2077, which had an April release date, uh, just got pushed back to September. Uh, this is not unprecedented by CD Projekt Red, the people who make the Witcher game series also. Um, they have a habit of pushing games back, and their fans are actually pretty patient. Um, there's really no backlash about this. Same with um, Square Enix's uh, remaster of Final Fantasy VII that just got announced and <clears throat> was pushed to September. When's the PS5 launch? Probably September. Okay, that makes some sense <laughs> then. Oh, it's not 2021. No, no. I, well, we're going to start... So, they unveiled the logo. Um, but that does segue into another, another piece of news. Uh, PlayStation has officially announced that it's not going to be attending E3 again this year. Which is a little confusing because it is the year of a console launch. So typically, um, you know, that's when the two titans kind of go to battle at E3. Uh, but PlayStation just, they put out this bizarre press statement saying that they would be at 100 live events this year. Um, I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, but not being at E3 kind of cuts out one of the huge ones. Are they going to the other big one? Uh, Gamescom? PAX? I mean, PAX is more of like a... PAX is not for announcements. Okay, PAX is for like playing games. But like there are other big uh, shows. It's like Tokyo Game Show is perfect for Sony. Um, it's one of the most attended. Uh, same with Gamescom. That's like Europe's big E3. Um, that is the most like human bodies who attend one of those. So, it's an yeah. interesting way to put that. Well, I mean, it's attended. Like, like PAX is probably the most like viewed. Because there's like ah, lots okay. of streams and stuff, okay. and they, they have like panels that are all on Twitch. They have t- partners with Twitch. There's not really a ton of streams coming out of TGS or the, or Gamescom. So, but the other one has more actual sexy little babies that come. <laughs> um, little human bodies. Um, yeah, Death Stranding came out last year. So. When they said they were going to be at over a hundred live events, I thought they were going to be like, "We're going to a John Legend concert. <laughs> it's going to be lit." <laughs> We're going to get to see Stomp. <laughs> Can't fucking wait. What about the PS5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but we got a great year coming up. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the, the game's news for now. Um, and uh, in sad news, I can't uh, not say this with uh, Kelly on the cast, but uh, we had the passing of Christopher Tolkien. Rest in peace. Um, you know, the, the Tolkien estate loses one of its uh, most voracious... Uh, members of its vanguard. Uh, he was uh, probably the most aggressive out of all of the people there in compiling works and in uh, finishing kind of stories. Finishing stories. He's the one who. He's basically the author of the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. Putting maps in to, do, to yeah. books. A lot of the lore is thanks to him going through his his father's notes and readings and putting it into a publishable form. Yeah. Uh, most most of them actually. A lot was not published when. J.R.R. Tolkien was alive, and a lot of it is Christopher Tolkien. Yeah. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see if there will be more coming from the estate, or if they're kind of just done with it. Also, speaking of Tolkien, uh, Amazon did announce the cast yeah. for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they did. It's a, a, lot, of, a lot of no names. Yeah. Kind of. They're, they're going with the not established people, which is the hey, good good on them. Yeah, I really. I mean, I I like that. Kelly's not talking because Kelly's head exploded thinking about the new order. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I got excited when they put out that singular map. <laughs> so now that there's a cast list, I think we have to not go to the movie. <laughs> I have some stuff I have to read. You can you can read about it on the way too. Okay. Um, but so then, <clears throat> other than that, we got to talk about uh, the movies that were nominated. 
Well, real um, quick before we do, sure. I did see one other headline that, uh, and I, I didn't even get to read the story on it, but I saw the headline that uh, Disney Plus is uh, apparently nixing the Obi-Wan limited series. Huh. I heard that that was not true, that that was some kind of rumor. I oh, saw another a... headline that that wasn't actually the case. Okay, well, I did click on the headline and it took me to a 404 page, so... I, I saw one this morning on Reddit that said that's not... No, it's not getting canceled. But oh. I also did not click on it because I was just kind of scrolling through. Okay, awesome. So more to come on that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I like. Yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't do it. I mean, they they clearly are better at making Star Wars things right now than than you know. Yeah, Lucasfilm. Well, I don't. Know, I guess the different division that's right. making the Mandalorian. Um, God, it was so good. And people love Obi Wan. I thought you were going to say Baby Yoda. Well, they also had Ewan McGregor in studio to like record new voice lines and apparently do some mocap for a ghost scene that was cut from The Rise of Skywalker. So, I mean, they've, they've got his number. Because China don't like ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have those in there. Um, but, now do we want to talk about the Oscars? Yeah. I'll, I'll be quick. Um, so... Nothing really that surprising. Uh, David and TJ kind of nailed it again. Out of 135 slots, TJ went 92 for 135, and David went 91 for 135. So, <laughs> basically, if you go down their predictions and just lop off their number four choice in most categories, you'd be dead right. Um, but the only big surprises this year are um, Jennifer Lopez, who was everyone's favorite uh, to get nominated for Best Actress, uh, gets axed from Hustlers and replaced by Kathy Bates. Uh, not, not, not Kathy Bates. Um, but she, I guess, doesn't make the cut for whatever reason. Hmm. Um, I would put people in Parasite over her. Yeah, sure. But she's, she was just like a favorite early in the year and even still with enough steam coming into it that, I mean, lots of people still had her as maybe like a front runner in the category. Um, I wasn't impressed, honestly, but I'm, I don't like Jennifer Lopez, so I'm biased. All right. Sorry, Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) Uh, The other, the other, I mean, the big headline right now is hashtag no women. Um, You know, Greta Gerwig doesn't make the grade to join the group of men who got nominated. (laughs) Issa Rae had a pretty good burn when she was announcing the, uh, the nominees at like seven in the morning this past Monday. Where she was like, and congratulations to these men for being nominated. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Todd Phillips worked his way back into to being nominated. He Everyone thought he had talked himself out of it by just being a blabbermouth. And he's back in. Um, is that Joker? Yeah, for Joker. Um, but yeah, so the other thing is the Best Picture nominees. I guess we'll just say them so that everyone knows. Because that's what we should do on a podcast. There were nine. It's pretty typical. Eight or nine is most likely. Uh, we've got 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Bratz, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Parasite. Why didn't I pull this up ahead of time? The Irishman. The Irishman. Uh, Marriage Story? Yeah. I think I said that. Once Upon a Time? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh, Joker. Yeah. I keep forgetting Joker. It's the most nominated movie, and I keep forgetting yeah. it. Right, I do in the too. Group. 
Ford v. Ferrari, Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. But yeah, and that's the other big headline. It's that Joker leads the noms with 11, uh, which is pretty crazy. So. It's really good. Yeah, it was really good. I liked it a lot. And I know you mentioned Snubs. I was a little disappointed that The Farewell got nothing. Um, that was a movie with good performances and good script, and uh, I would have liked to have seen it get some, some nominations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to see uh, My Name is Dolomite for, like, screenplay, at least. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was, I was told ahead of time by David and TJ that that wasn't happening, so that kind of... Um, that kind of helped me curb my enthusiasm for it. Do you think it's a problem? Do you think it's good that the Oscars are that predictable? Good? Do you think it's a good quality that the awards have that they are predictable when it comes to like you just, people paying attention to what has like like I don't know steam? I think it's a double-edged sword. So it, it's good in the sense that even though movies are subjective, it's kind of a collective thought about this is what makes a good movie. This is what makes um, something worth watching. Mm-hmm. But it's also bad because it is, all, it is subjective. Mm-hmm. So there are things that other people might care about that the you know, Academy doesn't. Yeah. Which is why you see a lot of movies written by women made by women or people of color not get nominated is because they might not resonate with the people that are in the Academy. So I think it's good and bad. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would, I would want, I would need a change from the Oscars in the way that I would want a complete shift in the way that the whole industry worked, the whole awards industry, because it is untenable to, Nominate 41 movies in fucking, like, the middle of January and then at the beginning of February have the ceremony. Like, let these movies use the press to help promote their either return to theaters or their, like, their streaming run or their fucking Blu-ray sales. People still buy DVDs and Blu-rays. Like, but the way that it is now, I mean, there is a movie that's nominated for Best Foreign Film that is coming out on February 7th. It is the first time it'll be available in the English language. And it's coming out two days before the ceremony. Like, that's fucked up. Like, the way that... That studios game the... Like, the deadlines, too. Just... It's... I don't know. It feels... It feels wrong. And the only way that you can really keep up with it... I mean, the only way that TJ and I are able to do the death race is... Yeah, we have 41 movies to watch. And when we started... We were like, shit, we've only seen 13 of these. But those 13 that we saw is a huge leg up. Yeah. Like, yeah, we saw Star Wars. We saw Endgame. We saw, you know, a couple of the big blockbusters that got nominated. But we also, like, crossed stuff off the list. Like, Kelly and I saw Frozen 2. Yeah, it's a big blockbuster. But, like, a motivating factor for us going to the theater to see it versus seeing it, like, you know, way like way afterwards on, like, Disney+. Plus. Other than the fact that I'm a Disney zealot. Other than the fact that you're insane. Was because it's like, I know this is going to get nominated. I can cross this one off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what what would what my suggestion would be. It makes it hard for an average person to relate. It may, And it makes it... It kind of supports that entire, like, well, Hollywood's elitist and doesn't really relate to an average person. And that's why you hear 
a lot of, especially people like parents that don't care about movies are like, who watches this anyway? Do people still watch these movies? Like, I haven't heard of any of these. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are surprised when, uh, at least when I say like, oh, I've seen most of them, you know? So I think there, there should be a, the problem is I don't have a way to fix it. I don't have a good suggestion. Right. I don't know how you change that system. I, I know. We should have an award for most best popular movie. <laughs> Money. That's the award. <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting is if you could have, like, if you could guarantee best picture nominations through, like, some sort of algorithm of, like, critical acclaim where, like, um, like say, Metacritic or something. Right. And obviously you, you run the risk of, of studios trying to meddle with that or, like, pay off you know yeah. journalists or whatever but for the most part i think metacritic's pretty reliable and if a movie is like at least an 80 or something on metacritic let's just say it gets like an automatic nomination and then oh worst case there's like 30 movies to to you know for people to go see but then you if if that sort of, sort of thing existed then if a movie comes out in january and it hits that mark they could re-release it into theaters with that tag attached to it. Like, this is going to be nominated for an Oscar. Mm -hmm. And that people will go see that movie knowing that. Right. But when a movie came out for two weeks in August, and it gets nominated in January, and then it's just, I mean, it's on demand or nothing. Like, right. no one will ever see those movies in theaters. So, yeah. unless they're watching for them early like we do. Yeah. So, I don't know. They, they should they should work harder to make people see their movies because yeah. they make to it make really them available. To, they make it they make it really hard for people to see their movies. Yeah, TJ's TJ's like biggest like I know he's done with the death race is when he talks about a movie and says I don't know these people don't want me to see their movie and like it's kind of like flip but he also has a good point like if St. Louis Superman, which hasn't been released anywhere but festivals, which is the doc short that I'm missing, if that doesn't come out before the Oscar ceremony, like, those, like, MTV documentary films, who's, like, the production company behind it, and Al Jazeera films, they can go fuck themselves. Like, they don't deserve a cent for that movie. Like, you are... You need to fire your marketing department and your publishing arm because you are blowing an opportunity to put this up somewhere. Mm -hmm. Run an ad before it, like whatever you need to do to monetize it, but like get it out in front of people's eyes because people people are only going to talk about documentary shorts if they're about something flashy or if it's around the time the nominations come out or around the time of the awards ceremony. Those are your two avenues. Yeah. A year from now, no one will ever watch this movie. Nope. Yeah. It's going to be the credit that we all skip past when we're like, oh, what did this director do? No one's going to be like, oh, well, they directed that short that got nominated. No, we're going to forget about it immediately. Right. But. Anyway. What's coming out? So, I don't know what website TJ uses, so we're going to use a website that I just found. I think this is actually the same one. Um, but it looks like a bunch of shit. There is the horror movie The Turning uh, that's coming out next weekend. It is seems a lot, looks like a lot of spiders going into mouths from the trailers, but uh, yeah, but it's, not a lot of turning. Yeah, it's Finn Wolfhard, uh, Mackenzie Davis. Um, is she the girl that was in San Junipero? Yes, yes. is that her? Yeah. Yes, um, looks like a horror movie. Uh, I've never heard of this director, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be no good. Um, but what's the director's name, Chris? It's Floria Sigismondiv. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just I couldn't even read it, but I saw just a flood of letters <laughs> after the word so director. So there's that. So there's the turning. There's a movie called The Gentleman, uh, directed by Guy Ritchie, uh, starring Matthew McConaughey, uh, Henry Golding, Kate Beckinsale, Hugh Grant. That's why they're doing late night together. Together. Um, it was formerly titled Tough Guys, T O F F. Oh Jesus! Uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's a it is a Guy Ritchie movie. Um, what's in it? What's in it? What's an example of a Guy Ritchie movie? Yeah, just Snatch, so. Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels. Guys with super thick accents. Don't go run around the rat row. <laughs> Uh, and then the other one that it says that's coming out this weekend is a movie called Color Out of Space, um, starring Nicolas Cage. Nice. Uh, Wait, H.P. Lovecraft plus Nicolas Cage? Oh, Man, yeah. we got it. Man, oh, Mandy yeah. 2. <laughs> um, Color Out of Space. Struggling artist patriarch Nathan, Nicolas Cage, tries his hand at gardening, yet fails to yield any desired results. How is that the second sentence of a plot synopsis? <laughs> That must be some intense wait, fucking gardening. Wait, it's it's H.P. Lovecraft plus Nicolas Cage plus Tommy Chong. <laughs> they spun a wheel, basically, and this is what they came up with. These were the random selections. <laughs> His gardening fails to yield any results. That changes one evening when a small meteorite crashes in the yard. The purple glowing orb soon withers into dust, but not before infecting the local water supply. The effect on the crops is bountiful. The alien presence soon begins to take an ill effect on the gardener family. Which means that Nicolas Cage's character is going to be insane. Is this wide release or just like... like No idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I was like, I'm not using uh, TJ's website where he actually can see wide limited. Yeah. But. Well, fly to the appropriate city <laughs> if this isn't in wide release. <laughs> but. Are those the only choices? Yeah, those are the only choices I'm giving you. I'm picking color out of space because at worst, it's going to be gloriously bad. <laughs> and at best, you could be pleasantly surprised. Yes. Kelly? Spider-Mouth. Sp- okay. Spider-Mouth. Spider-Mouth. <laughs> for, I already forgot what it's The for Turning. The Turning. Uh, I'm going to vote for Color Out of Space 2 because I'm always in for a Nicolas Cage shit show. You guys can bring your pillows. Yeah, that's right. We have matching Nicolas Cage sequin pillows. Ooh, yeah, we do. <laughs> but, anyway, this has been Talkie Talk Podcast by MediaBias.com. You can find us on Facebook at our groups, Games Bias, TV Bias, Movie Bias. You can tweet at us at the Media Bias, send us an email the, at... The media bias at gmail.com. Please rate us in your favorite podcast app. Uh, we would appreciate only five-star reviews. You can give us a one, but we'll delete it. Um, or we'll work to delete it. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to our intro music from the Willowalkers. Willowalkers! It feels weird me saying it. Because <laughs> I'm in the band. That's and, why I waited on you. <laughs> yeah, I was. I wanted you to say, you're welcome. And a special, thanks to Boo, <laughs> special thanks to Boo Reefa for the outro music. You're welcome. <laughs> And uh, I want to say thanks to Brent and thanks to Kelly for joining me today. Thanks Thank for you, having Chris. me. All right, bye. And thanks to Teacher for letting us be in this house when he's gone. <laughs> bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I